Anticipation for Sunday. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, It's Super Bowl uh, week, John. Last week of football. Your team's still in it, as fucking usual. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited. It's a little ball of excitement, and it grows as the week goes. Ooh. Whoa. Wow. I like it. Yeah. Sports Dr. Seuss there. So you're saying you're a grower, not a shower? (laughs) It's it's going to be growing. Next week's two out of the room, then. (laughs) Birthday in two days. Oh, oh yeah! Happy oh. birthday! Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's it's awesome. more like a can't believe I'm still alive. Anniversary, <laughs> rather than a birthday, but we'll run with that one. Awesome, awesome. So uh, we got a jam-packed show today. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, number fourteens. Uh, I of course chose Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> Sweet. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm Did just you not? Kidding. Oh, it's no, 1995 I... Cowboys uh, MVP of the Super Bowl, right yep. there. Yeah, threw a lot of interceptions. Gosh, for us. looking way back in history, <laughs> the last couple times your teams were in the Super Bowl. To be <laughs> fair, hey, <laughs> whoa. To be fair, he was my uh, first favorite football player, but you know that's just because I became aware of football uh, during the Neil O'Donnell era, and my dad happened to uh, golf with him a couple times, so. It was it was the big deal in the Sanchez household, but I went uh, I went with my boy Cooney, Chris Kunitz, uh, left winger now for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, spent some time with uh, Tampa Bay, of course the Penguins, uh, and started out in Anaheim. Undrafted player, uh, he's been in the league about fifteen years now. Uh, he won three cups with the Pens, and he also won one uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, he's got, uh, in 995 games, 264 goals, 348 assists for 612 points. And he's a plus 181, also an Olympic gold medal winner. Um, I'm always going to remember Kunitz, you know, on that line with Crosby and, uh, Pascal Dupuis. I think that was, um, you know, the best of times, uh, before Pascal with, um, with the, uh, with the blood clot issues had had to hang him up, so uh, it, it was never really quite the same with with anybody else uh, on that right side. Uh, but of course, that huge uh, double overtime game winner um, in Game Seven against Ottawa uh, in the uh, twenty seventeen uh, Eastern Conference Finals um, sent us, you know, to to what was the um, the second of back to back Stanley Cup victories. So. Man, huge, huge moment for me. Uh, I would, I have a Chris Kunich jersey hanging up above my bed, so that's my number fourteen. Nice, very nice, Marty. Uh, I went with Peter Edward Rose Sr. Pete Rose um, played for sixty-three to nineteen eighty-six. Um, also managed uh, was not a gracious exit from the league, as we all know, gambling on sports as a manager. Um, was banned from from baseball when baseball still was the beloved son of all sports in America. Um, but as far as a player, probably one of the best 
I heard about time and time again from my father growing up and, and loving Little League Baseball. Like, he just was the epitome of hustle. Charlie Hustle was his nickname. Uh, we talked about, you know, a three oh three lifetime batting average, 4,256 4, hits, 160 home runs. Uh, played for the Reds, played for the Phillies, 17-time um, All-Star, three-time World Series champion. Guy played first, second, third, outfield. He did a little bit of everything for the team. Uh, rounded the bases like a fucking bull. You know, he just always was going 110%. He was, it was great to watch. I still watch a lot of his old um, clips and highlights on on the internet as we as you know today he was just one of those that really just stood out in my mind when we we're talking about episode 14 so that goes out to the great pete rose and i hope the hall of fame uh changes its mind in my lifetime to see him actually get in uh seems like time and time again uh he gets a little bit closer but still gets nixed but as we see how dirty baseball has been over the past couple of decades i hope that their mind meaning the hall of fame uh board will change over time and let this great wonderful amazing player into their sacred hall of fame even though he says he doesn't want to be in anymore we all know he wants to be in that i, I don't think anything like that's going to change until those those old writers die off yeah possibly so johnny my number 14 is jim rice played for the red sox from 1974 to 1989 he is an mlb hall of famer <coughs> 298 career batting average, 2,452 hits, 382 home runs, 1,451 RBIs. Was um, left fielder, a long, long line of great left fielders for the Red Sox. It went Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, Jim Rice, um, Mike Greenwell, and then Manny Ramirez. Um, he was an eight-time All-Star, 1978 ML, American League MVP, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, three-time American League home run leader, two-time ALRBI leader. And like I said, he is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and his jersey number 14 is retired by the Boston Red Sox. Very nice. One of the most iconic pictures ever when he had that foul ball. They hit the kid. Am I thinking the right player? I don't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Definitely uh, give us a shout if I'm wrong on this on one of our uh, Facebook or Instagram pages. I'm pretty sure like he just jetted a foul ball which hit a kid and he ran him into the field house to get medical attention back in the day but it was wow. like an iconic like shot of the kid like bleeding in the head and like hit jim rice had it, like ran from the field picked him up out of this like first or second oh, stands yeah and carried him into the boston red sox field house to get medically treated wow huh awesome um well cool so we'll we'll just dig in um some big uh, news in the NBA that we will uh, we'll definitely get to before the break, but um, slow slow uh, slow week for me. Um, the NHL did their all star, right? yeah, did their all star slow week in general thing. for sports for the most part. Yeah, well, aside aside from the NBA bombshell, right? Woj bomb, yeah. Um. <clears throat> But, uh, you know, what is usually a pretty unremarkable event, um, I thought had some couple really cool moments uh, having to do um, with the, the women hockey players. They had a couple of ladies from Canada and the Americans, uh, Kendall Coyne uh, Schofield and Brianna Decker, uh, made an even bigger splash um, as they got to uh, compete and really, you know, challenged the men and... Um, it was a great moment um, for um, 
you know, the the women's league and sort of their perception um, because it was, you know, the eye test really showed you that their level of skill is high and that this might be, um, you know, much like much like tennis uh, uh, is and curling. Where Goff said it as well. Where, yep. yep. It's like they're, it's not that it's an inferior product. Um, they're just, you know, sort of different parameters. So Speaking of that, yesterday I went to my nephew's hockey game and one of the girls on the opposing team, one of the kids on the opposing team was a girl. Yeah. And she was one of their better players. She was fast as hell. Yeah. So Ke- Kendall uh, Coyne Schofield did the, um, did the, you know, the fastest lap challenge, fastest skater. And she clocked in at 14.346 seconds, and uh, only his quickness himself, Connor McDavid, uh, well, not only, the other guys beat her, but uh, he won won 13.378 seconds. So the fastest skater in the world, you know, she's only one second behind. So, I mean, it was awesome to see her chugging out there. And actually, Brianna Decker straight up won the the passer competition um <laughs> and, and beat leon dreisaitl's time and there's a uh, sort of a, a social media campaign out there for them t- uh for him to uh donate the prize money to her <laughs> nice. so i mean that guy was making you know money hand over fist so i, I think that'd be a good uh, a, a good gesture for Sure. I think him. it comes into fact, like when you talk about skills, not overall, like necessarily talent or strength or speed, but you talk about the skill set. It is pretty much a blurred line right now between females and males in certain aspects of certain sports. You talk about PGA and you talk about hitting greens and regulations and off the tee. Obviously, guys are hitting further, but with sufficiency of play, women got it by far in a lot of ways in golf, got it by far in a ways of basketball and shooting as well. It's just we as Americans don't want to see that sport. And it's, you know, maybe we'll come around to that in time. They don't dunk. They don't dunk. It's, I mean, there's some some can, but it is, you know, but honestly, I, I, get, get, more, my I, I get more excited about a look-away pass or, you know, somebody shooting six for six in a straight, you know, six straight shots and, and take a lead, you know. I need my dunks. <laughs> I need my dunks. <laughs> He needs that. He means that both ways. Dunkin' Donuts and his dunks in basketball. <laughs> Good one. Oh, so let's. Uh, I got excited about that. I see. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get right into it then, um, Johnny. You want to break the news? Yeah. So earlier this morning, you know, I think we were all kind of thinking about this podcast would be quick and not much to discuss other than the Celtics Warriors game from Saturday night not much to break down I know the trade deadline's coming up we got Super Bowl this week so we're looking forward looking forward to that but then 8 a.m. this morning you know classic Woj bomb maybe the biggest Woj bomb of all time if it actually goes down yeah Anthony Davis has officially requested a trade from the Pelicans says he will not sign an extension not going to sign an extension and of course his agent is um doing this while hurt again by the way yeah, with a sprained finger. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that's, that's like, so. There's a number of things I want to get into on this yeah. Anthony Davis topic with you. Um, so first of all, his agent is Rich Paul, which is the same agent that LeBron James has. And you know, there, to tell you how close collusion Rich Paul is to LeBron, when LeBron celebrates his championships and they just won, he's on the court. Rich Paul is is hugging him and is closer to LeBron than the actual players on the team. Absolutely. 
That's how close this guy is to LeBron. The guy's so up far up his ass <laughs> what he had the night before for dinner. I yeah, mean, that's just the absolutely. way he is. So there's a strong, strong, strong connection there. So it's okay. Well, let, let's start here. Yeah. Here's the question. Now, I as a Celtic fan, you're a Celtics fan. I think Ernesto's kind of indifferent on the whole thing. Do you want, knowing what it would cost to get Anthony Davis, do you want him on your team as a Celtics fan? As a Celtics fan, uh, depend. I mean, honestly, depending on what we're giving up for him, as a, I mean, okay. So was, here's it, one thing I saw today. Okay. Tatum, Jalen Brown, the Memphis first round pick, and a salary filler, whether it be Smart or Baines. No. Sorry, no. sorry. I mean, by for Anthony scope, Davis for the scope of how many injuries had season by season. Um, honestly, when it was him and Demarcus Cousins and that show of the front court, the Pelicans still didn't have a winning record. They made the playoffs. Well, Cousins was hurt last year. Cousins they made it a holiday. In. They made a holiday in. But it's like I know he's dominant. But how long he's going to ride that ride that out? Given the fact also what he would sign for a contract and what we're probably going to bring up here in a little bit with the possibility of Kyrie leaving. There's just no. I would, I would just, as a GM in the league for any team, I would, besides if you're Golden State or a couple other teams, I would be eating antacid tablets every day of my life knowing what these players, these agents are going to pull because there's no security in your franchise anymore. It used to be there's no security in players, and I get that. And they need to step up, and players need to be you know, in ownership of what they do and how they win their championships. But it's become this AAU boys club, like, hey, I want to play with you six years later, seven years later, let's, let's do, run and do this. There's no loyalty to the franchise or to the city that stands behind you anymore. These guys just want to run off and just get the easy, quick championship. Which, by the way, if this happens with LeBron, there's no guarantee out of the West that they're going to win anything or even be in a top three seed out but, of So now there's rumors that Kyrie, who promised to stay at the beginning of the year at a season ticket holders event before the season started, promised that he was going to re-sign when his contract was up at the end of the year because he could get the Supermax at the end. Right. He promised the season ticket holders, but now there's rumors that AD doesn't really want to come to Boston because there's rumors around the NBA that are saying that they don't feel like Kyrie's going to stay in Boston. Now add that to the fact that Kyrie has recently called and apologized to LeBron for the way that he acted with him and in Cleveland. He learned from his incident, and he wasn't really injured. He was suspended because for saying for calling out his players on the team. Absolutely, Brown. And so, and then on Friday night, LeBron posted an Instagram to Kyrie. It was a Fetty, Fetty Wap song. And, um, you know, it, I hate this shit. I, hate I, this I know, because you have to shit. decipher. Yeah. You have to decipher exactly what it means. So, but the, the lyrics were rewind, rewind, right. rewind. And I don't exactly know what that means, but it kind of says to me these guys, LeBron and maybe Kyrie, want to get back together potentially with Anthony Davis, and then look, then can Kyrie, Anthony Davis, and LeBron challenge the Warriors? Yes. Yeah, they could. They will. They would. They, they, they would. I mean, that's a hell of a road for any of those teams coming out of the West to go through now that way the Oklahoma Thunder, or Oklahoma City Thunder's playing, the way James Harden and the Rockets are playing, like it's going to be a true test, the way Denver's playing. Uh, you know, and I understand you got to build these mega teams out in the West, and the East just seems like almost... Uh, a sub subdivision, you know, basically a triple A organization here on the East Coast in a lot of ways, besides Toronto, um, with Oladipo going out with Indiana. I mean, it's just a lost cause in the East, and nobody's really standing in the way. I it's just hard. I mean, you've seen West Coast teams win 
year after year besides the one year that LeBron just put the Cavaliers on his shoulders and took those last three games to beat Golden and Kyrie State. Kyrie with the winning shot. The winning shot. In Golden State. And I get it. But I just, there, something has to change in the culture of the NBA. No, I agree. I, I think it's going to, I don't think it's necessarily going to kill ratings because we've talked about this before. Well, ratings I, have never been higher. Yeah. And I think it's almost in the way that people fall in love with players, they fall in love with the stories. It's more drama. It's almost like watching the WWE. Like, it's just about the people in it and the drama that comes around it. It's not necessarily about the sport in general anymore, the quality of the sport anymore, because I think that's gone down in a lot of ways. Because these guys are just jacking shots from everywhere. But I think in the long run, the league in general has to be a little bit scared about how this is going to turn. Franchise owners have to be a little bit scared how this is going to turn. So East Coast has to be definitely scared. How so it's the whole turn. Anthony Davis thing. Now, this is what bothers me. So for the first time, you know, it's taken the Celtics years and years to build the stable of assets that they have on their team. They yep. have the players, yep. and they have a wealth of first-round picks coming up in next year's draft. They have Memphis's pick, Sacramento, the Clippers themselves, first-round, all four. So they have four first-round picks next year. So they finally have all the assets to make a move, which which we know Danny Ainge has coveted Anthony Davis for a long, a long, long time. time. So they finally have what they need to get a deal like that done. And now there's this stupid, silly Derrick Rose rule that prevents them right. from trading for Anthony Davis before next week's February 7th trade deadline because they can't have the Kyrie Irving contract and the Anthony Davis contract on the books at the same time. So if the Celtics want Anthony Davis, they have to they have to convince the Pelicans to wait to wait until July 1st, which is when it resets and then the Celtics can have no Kyrie Irving guarantees. and Anthony yeah. Davis on their team at the same time unless right. they decide to trade Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis, but that doesn't really make sense cuz the whole plan is they want both of them. Right. Okay? So can they convince the Pelicans to wait until July 1st? I, you know, Jason Tatum for me is kind of the trump card. I think that just knowing that you can dangle Jason Tatum above the, on them is better than what so many other teams, even the Lakers, have to offer. And I think that could force the Pelicans to want to wait. You know, kind of a wink, right. wink, pinky, pinky, pinky promise. Listen, we'll get this deal done when we can get it done at the beginning of July. But my concern is that this deal is already done. Because we know that last month, when Anthony Davis and the Pelicans were visiting the Lakers in L.A., Anthony Davis went out to dinner with LeBron James yeah. after oh, the yeah. game. And they were vocal heard, about it. We heard a month ago that Anthony Davis purchased property in L.A. So we've already discussed the agent being the same. Rich Paul is the same agent for LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm hearing that this the Lakers, the Anthony Davis Pelicans to the Lakers deal could already be done. And that they're just going through the, the formal announcement that he's available this morning because they want to avoid tampering charges through the through the league. But because I already feel like it's way tampered with when you're talking about... It does, about, but this way, it sets it up so, okay, we're going to give the Knicks and on any other team that wants. We're going to take your phone call and we're going to play the game, you know, like, oh, maybe we'll take your deal and they'll run it through for the next 10 days until yeah. the deadline and then be like, oh, we're going to take the Lakers deal, which, by the way, the Lakers deal is rumored to be Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Ivaka Zubak... And a first-round pick, which their pick is going to be the Lakers' pick, which would be the end of the first round. So right. it's not that appealing. So basically, you're getting Ball, Kuzma, and Zubox. And what are you fielding around? I like Kuzma's upside. And Ball has impressed me, and I have to own up to that because I didn't give that kid a shot earlier in the year. Um, sad that he went down with this three- to four-week uh, injury. But he still has a minus net rating when he's on the court this year. He does. But I think there's still – I mean, and it's hard. Like, what are you going to alert your role with LeBron on the court – 
where you're gonna be running with Lance Stevenson, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I mean, scratching my head after that. And there's already rumors of like, if this is going through and they're gonna make that push, you paid thirty five million for Luke Walton's, you know, to coach the team. You're gonna do away with him. Because, Wait, so that's the next level. Because it's not talking about the organization is not happy with Luke Walton. All the talk is LeBron's camp is not happy with Luke Walton. Mm-hmm. I so. So you saw LeBron I, this yeah, past God. weekend. He spent, well, he's been out of play, out of action. You saw him sitting with um, Rob Palinka, the general manager, and Magic Johnson. This whole yeah. weekend, they've been sitting together, kind of working, trying to, you know, working on this and working yeah. on what they're going to get done. Because, you know, LeBron, he just he's just like uh, one of these little millennials to me. He, he needs this part, you know, the part that... <coughs> He needs his trophy too because he can't couldn't beat the Warriors. So, but he wants to join the Lakers to join his own team, and now he needs to build his own next super team, which is already proven. He does, he's done by going to Miami, then going back to Cleveland and join he's, up with Kyrie and Love. Right. Like so, this is what he does, and he can't just it's deal not, with it as a man. But he needs to well, keep putting these teams together, and it's driving me crazy. And it's driving me crazy. In the but it's also he's a businessman too, and there's all these. It's not rumors. It's happening. He's building this. You know. Big production company in LA already behind his brand and his name. He is building a sports agency. He wants to be an agent when he's after this and have agents under him and build it under that name. I mean, he wants to take over basketball. He wants to lead that way. And with the loose ends that the NBA has around its circle and the organization, he is having nothing but green lights down a straight avenue okay. to do this for himself. I get all that. But so now you're Anthony Davis and you're 27, 28, 29, whatever, how he's in the prime of his career. Do you want to, Why do you want to go to the Lakers, knowing the Warriors are in that conference? LeBron is 34 years old, and he's already been mysterious time. He's out right now with an injury, and he's only going to get older. Is that appealing to you, Anthony Davis? I think. Well, I think for Anthony Davis, they're, they're, LeBron's making an appeal to him. Like, you will be the face when I'm gone. Yeah, this will okay. be your Good franchise. Point. Good point. You know, and he wants to be a little bit in the acting scene. He wants to be in the little L.A. Good scene. Point. He wants to be out of that New Orleans market. And then and if they the, get that the third draw. star, whether it be Kyrie... Right. In the summer, or Kemba Walker, yeah. they're gonna get someone else to go with them. That's why I, I root so hard for some of these franchises like the Oklahoma City, like that market, San Antonio. Well, Spur, we're getting like the in, Toronto and the Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee's I, a good story. That's why I was I thinking s- about that today. Yeah. That's why I lean towards those smaller markets because they don't have the biggest draw, but they have a great organization with great scouts and great coaches, coaches who build players. And by the way, fuck you guys for hating Luke Walton. It wasn't LeBron that came in and made Ball a little bit better, made Kuzma a way better player. It's his skill set in coaching that made those guys better players. Like, he has been an asset to that organization. It's just the fact that LeBron wants, because Luke wants to be a coach. And he doesn't want to be a Tyron Lue. He doesn't want to be an ass puppet that he can just be controlled. He actually wants to stand out and I mean, be a coach. I, he's a stir of humans he, who want to do that. He's a Steve Kerr. Role. He's a Steve Kerr product. Luke Walken is out of Steve Kerr to a Greg Popovich. There are these realm of coaches that run down these lines. And I just think like he players. saw with the Warriors when he was with them took took to good coaching. Yeah, and would like to great coaching when Kerr was out with his Do you have any questions about this? Like I know you're just sitting here. I am. I am wondering uh, what the penalty is for tampering. Is so it's a good question. I think you can. You lose know, track. it's something like so. LeBron was fined for tampering last year too, wasn't yeah. he? Like five hundred thousand dollars or something. Pocket change. He's, yeah. He's, he fucking I mean, for for, for someone who's bringing in what fifty million dollars plus a year, yeah. I mean. Probably just for a salary. Okay, it's so, just a slap so that's on the a, wrist. That's an easy uh, choice. You tamper away. Exactly. The, ch- the choice to tamper is easy. So the Pelicans, um, just a couple hours ago, you know, it's 9 o'clock here on the East Coast on the 
on Monday, and around 6 o'clock, the Pelicans released a statement said, we're disappointed with Anthony Davis's decision not to re-sign with us, and um, we hope that the NBA does take the tampering process seriously. Should, yeah, and good for them. And then they also announced right afterward that Julius Randle, Nik- Nikola Miritich, and Etwan um, Moore are all available also in trade docs. So they're <laughs> opening up for business. Well, I mean, I mean... That's just the way it is. If we're gonna lose right. the headliner, we might as well just you know who's opening up on this just, just break it down and go all the way again. And that's it's sad such a because shame. that's just the way. It, that's the way some of these organizations have been in the NBA. They just do you feel like it's a done deal? Like he's going to the Lakers? I, I do. When I saw <sighs> that today, it's I mean, crushing we, we, news, man. We felt it. We knew. I mean, because we wanted. Why can't the Celtics him. get him? I don't understand this Derrick Rose rule. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. This is what they've been building for. This is what they've done all get collecting all these assets. This is why. What's, that, the, what's the Derrick Rose rule? It's uh, it's something about having max contract players together in on their first contract that they've that they've signed. So like Anthony Davis is still on the he's on the back end of his first contract or maybe he's extended once. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. So it's something about you can't have more Basically than. You can't like rent a player for half a seat. Like you like can't three have max more than one like, guy on your yeah. team like that. Because you're gonna get plucking. Like people will start tanking their seasons basically to get rid of somebody they know they can't keep when their their contracts up. So those teams are trying to get a little bit of leverage by giving it to teams that are almost there to win the championship. Who does this rule protect? The <sighs> owner or the uh, player? I I think. Not the player, I don't think. I think the players are still more in control. I think it's just protecting the aspect of what they want to think and the overall team. aspect, the team and the the value of the game, you know, as a whole. You're not just seeing these just crazy shifts before free agency in the year of everything just shifting because if a team starts out, say, if it didn't go the right way with Gordon Hayward last year, he bummed his knee and these guys didn't rally and do it, but they can just like shift and just unload and get a couple of guys and I just, I just think it just protects the, the the integrity is what I'm looking for of, of how the game is supposed to I be just, played. It bothers but I don't me believe, as a Celtic I believe fan. there's almost 0% integrity in yeah. this league anymore. It's just because the Celtics can beat the Lakers' assets, what they what they have to offer for Anthony Davis. Like, clearly, everybody, everybody knows this. Everyone knows that the Celtics have a better stable of assets to offer for Anthony Davis. And some obscure rule that no one's even heard of until just now, you know, or this year, because of the whole Anthony Davis thing, no one had even heard of. Now they can't. They have to wait, and they're probably they, there's a good chance they might lose out on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, unless they can somehow get the Pelicans to wait and hold on till July first. So we'll see what happens. Like I said earlier, the trade deadline is Thursday, February seventh. So we have ten days to work this out. But you know, there's some that say that the deal's already done with the Lakers. So we're gonna find out soon enough. Last thing to throw into Luke Doncic gets the second amount of votes in the West to, to be an All Star and doesn't get voted in the top five. And loses out behind LeBron. That was LeBron's position. I do I like LeBron. him. I do like him. I like his. How about the Celtics Warriors? We watched that game the other night. Nestor, I know you caught some of it. Uh, a little. Bit. I was kind of flipping through. Okay. Caught a little bit as uh, as I was working, um, and then um, left before the game was over. But it uh, it's it seemed like the Celtics were holding their own. I, I caught right as they had. Um, Taken the lead, I believe, at the beginning of the fourth. Uh, fourth, yeah. Yeah. So the Celtics lost on Saturday at home to the Warriors. Good a goddamn rebound off the free throw. One fifteen to one eleven. Um, they hung tough most of the game. 
It was the Warriors' 10th straight win. Of course, they just got DeMarcus Cousins back recently. So they have five starting All-Stars now, five guys who were All-Stars last year in their lineup. Many say that the Golden State Warriors alone, with their five starters, could beat the Eastern Conference All-Star team. So I thought the Celtics hung tough. Yeah. Um, losing only by four. However, you know, Kyrie's the guy in the fourth quarter at the end of the game that you want taking the big shots. He's proven that. He's taken maybe the biggest shot in the history of the NBA Took most a couple shots years that ago. Game. Took but, Chuck but, 27 times. but, he had three critical turnovers in the final four minutes of that game. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the whole thing. I mean, uh, the amount of shots he took. I mean, I thought there was pretty good amount of balance scoring for the Celtics in that game. Um, we'll get into Gordon Hayward, you know, over five and just seem non-existent, but I know where you're going with it and just seemed like he was out of it. They're putting pressure on him. He had some key mistakes. Um, I think that's where you need a coach, Brad Stevens, to come in and kind of hold hold, hold the players accountable in the fourth quarter. I feel like Kyrie's it hard to hold accountable because he knows he's A number one. It's, it's, well, it's A number one, and it's 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 a he's nowhere near, in my mind, offensively like a James Harden, but you just kind of got to cut him off the leash and do what they do. I know. You kind of need him because in the NBA, you you need a guy like that. And that's where I feel like it's a little bit different with a team that's this young. Is like you put that aspect out on the court with young guys like Tatum and Brown, and then you're, you're trying to coach. I felt like they were very well coached last year to say, this is the game plan. This is how we got to push it. This is how we got to play on well, the last few years. To make it, make it happen. Yeah. And now with Kyrie, it's just like, Try to follow him, try to be available, try to move around him, set picks for him, be ready. But you see when Kyrie has the ball that a lot of the guys on the team are just standing they in spots on the team. About it. They used to have such better movement last year. It was in the last all few about years. passing and ball movement last right. year. I was actually trying to look up statistics last year, at least the last 20 of the regular season games, to see how many like touches went before a pass, uh, shooting efficiency. I'm still like looking into that because I feel like it's a big thing for the Celtics and their struggles. Besides Hayward, you know, this year is is these guys just Ball really sticks. not having a good consistent flow with each other. Absolutely. So, okay, so we got into that. And, you know, I thought that they gave the Warriors a good run for their money. And I think that that's a good sign going forward. You know, I think that if they do meet in the finals, obviously, I think that the Warriors will beat the Celtics. But I think that the bigger picture thing is here is that the Celtics can still get to the finals with this team. I feel like even if they're not a one or a two seed at the end of the year, I feel like they have the talent and they're growing as a team and there's still the potential there when they play the toughest of competition. You know, we've seen them beat Toronto lately, Philadelphia, Indiana. They've beaten those teams. They took the Warriors to the end. Yeah. I feel like when they need to turn it on, they can turn it on. Wait, it's, I'm confused. I thought we canceled the season like a month ago. <laughs> we're trying to regain hope. <laughs> We're I trying can't. to regain the hope here. All He's right. being positive, like right with that right now. Okay, this is a rarity. All right, yeah. fine. Let's. You know what? You want to get negative? Let's get negative. Gordon Hayward. So oh, Warriors we player came out and Bowl. said today that Gordon Hayward <laughs> needs to be sent to the G League, which is the NBA's developmental league, because he's holding them back on offense and defense. He doesn't look like the Gordon Hayward that. Uh, there was the same Gordon Hayward two years ago when he played with the Jazz. He doesn't look like the Gordon Hayward is get, getting paid $30 million a year for the Celtics. And when he's on the court, he's a massive liability. And it could have a bigger impact than that. It could be having, be having a negative effect on guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because they're not getting the minutes that they were last year because of Brad Stevens' butler boy, Gordon Hayward, 
they're trying to find him and get him his minutes and get him his rhythm, yeah. and it's co- coming at the cost and the minutes of Jalen Brown and Tatum. But I think, and I get it, and God knows what psychologically, physically you go through suffering an injury like he, he suffered. And what it means to push off and plant and cut but when and let go. Is when can we be hard on them? There's, we're still fifth seed. I think it, being in the East, you can let him kind of come in his own. You can take a loss here or there, whether it's ugly or not, whether we but like it or not. when can we be critical of Gordon Hayward? I think... I know of the injury. I, there was an injury was horrific. I think about 20 games after the All-Star break, if he's not putting the season's up the over at that point. The All-Star break's no. very late this year. It is. No. It's very late. They'll, they, there'll be playoffs at that point. You can still fight for the fourth or fifth seed, still with first round, get home home court advantage. Do you and, think that they the should team. send Gordon Hayward to the G League? No. Really? No. What's he going to learn down there? He can get his confidence back. He looked terrible on Saturday he night did. against the he Warriors. Looked out he was his, over he, five. He was missing he looked layups. Out of, looked out of his element. But also, what's that going to say to a guy when he goes down? I mean, I think he's just going to like score all over those guys in the G League. Really I mean, you're good. getting paid $30 million a year. The highest paid guy on the team. I think that, you know what? You, you, something's not right, clearly. He knows it. Everyone knows it. Go figure it out, and we'll bring you back. And I like what they're doing with Robert Williams. They say, different story altogether. Right. He's the he's a their rookie. They sent him to the G League, and they want him to get some regular minutes. And they're going to bring him back in in a couple months to try to get him going because his leaping ability is through the roof, and he'll be a good defensive presence when they need it. If we're going to play that game, then send both Hayward and Brown out of the G League. Then well, I don't think Brown's been as as much of a inconsistent struggle as. Gordon Hayward's been this year. I don't know. I think he's not only inconsistent. He hasn't been good. I think he's a little bit of a uh, locker room like nightmare as well. Uh, Yeah, possibly. Anyway, we can go on forever about this. We got plenty to talk about after the Super Bowl. This is going to carry on for a while, but I think for the sake of the time and the show, all right, we uh, take a deep breath and move on, huh? And I'm back. (laughs) Hi. Did you guys miss the sultry sounds of my voice? Mm. Oh. Yeah, I just got weird. <laughs> All right, so uh, Super Bowl. Um, help me with numbers. Fifty-four. Fifty-three. 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 Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, motherfucker. Why can't we just say fifty-three? I was gonna be like XXB. L three. L three. This one's easy. L three. Yeah. Okay. Very easy. L three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Welcome a, to Atlanta, where the a, players play. It's in the front corner of the restaurant near the windows. <laughs> That's a little inside joke. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, you guys getting excited for the Super Bowl? I don't. Oh, your team's not in can. it. Sorry. Yeah, my team's never in it. That's <laughs> <laughs> since the nineties. We're gonna uh, get. I'm we're sorry. Get I know it's not fair. On. I hey, my team's not in it, that... and I don't have it. A lot of hope in the team that's facing off against uh, the Patriots. I think in the aspect that we're talking about Super Bowls and franchises, we're sitting among three great people who love three great franchises and have done well in history with Super Bowls, meaning Pittsburgh. Patriots and the Cowboys. Yes, you're on the latter end of this situation right now, and you're in glory right now. But, sir, enjoy your moment. It's going to end sometime soon, okay? Fucking Christ. Not soon enough. As Tom Brady (laughs) said in his interview yesterday, there is a 0% chance that this will be his last game. Oh, shit. I told you. He's going to be in a wheelchair blowing through a tube and slinging freaking like pitch passes out there of two yards. You can be 85 and still throw a two-yard pass. He does that now. (laughs) Still wins games. He does. He throws them fast. It's just that you hate them because you ain't them. So that's all. I get it. I, so I can handle it, but I just prefer a little more positivity around my no, team. No, I'm actually looking forward to the Super Bowl. I think this is 
definitely a situation where it's going to be the GOAT being the GOAT or a, a rising star in the Rams and Goff and a little handing of the torch because he, he beat a great quarterback last week. I'm hoping Goff's not ready for the moment. That's what I'm hoping. And here's what I think will happen. Just a little preview here. So you know we know how McVay talks to Goff up to 15 seconds or left in the in the play clock, so he can kind of read the defenses and tell Goff what the best play is for that. He he needs his binky McVay talking to him in the headset. Wow. And we saw what a struggle it was in the first half against the Saints. I think that the Patriots are gonna do the amoeba thing that they've been doing against the Vikings and the Packers earlier in the year. Where all the defensive linemen and the just linebackers stand just up. stand up and kind of not really declare what they're doing and try to confuse the shit out of Goff. And there's a way for them to beat it. If if the Rams go into a hurry up, then they can really attack them that way. But I think Belichick's going to have a plan for the McVay-Goff combo. I, yeah. I mean, are we jumping into this? I mean, this is what oh, we're doing yeah, right that's now. what we're doing. Okay. I so, think there's going to be a huge... Uh, this game is going to be a coaching duel. You know, they're, they're both those uh, very hands-on, scheme-heavy uh, coaches. And I'm excited to see what, what Belichick, you know, with two weeks drums up and uh, and, and what adjustments they make uh, between Goff and McVay about, you know, dealing with noise and signals and if things aren't, you know, the communication aspect isn't there. I think they learned a big lesson because they really got away with one uh, a couple weeks ago. I just don't want to see McVay the Rams offense try to get too tricky, try to be too much get too of what cute. they're yeah, too cute. Because I think try the to, Patriots will allow it. you to run on them. If, if, cause I, oh, I, I think so if, as well. You notice a lot of teams in the Super Bowl, they have a difficult time sticking to the run. Um, especially with Atlanta a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, had a tough time sticking to the run <laughs> because Shanahan wanted to show his offensive play-calling prowess, and, and it cost them dearly at the end of the game. So... I do think, in a way, as you know, if the, if the Rams will commit to it and Gurley's ready to go, I think that the Patriots will give them the run in order to cover up for the the passing game. Very true. I think you're going to see a lot of what we saw from Gar- Gronk. I've also heard Therese this as well. Too, Would that, you let that, me finish, sir. I'm sorry. You just <laughs> just want to dominate. <laughs> Oh, like your like your mom's dog here, just always looking to dominate. Well, I want to get back to Ernesto's comment about the two weeks. Go ahead and do your thing since it's fresh on your mind. Um, so I think that maybe the two weeks before, in the two week break between the championship game and the Super Bowl, it's kind of a disadvantage for Belichick and more of a benefit for the other team because I feel like Belichick works best with the one week. And it really it helps the other team out more with them getting the extra time. Belichick doesn't need that extra time. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. <laughs> I just said, I don't just know. I don't know. See, when that's, I, when, I, that's when you have multiple years of winning just to overthink this whole situation when I it know. comes to chances. I, I want to see when I say the Steelers are good on, when the Steelers are good on one week rest. That's like like it doesn't come off in any arrogant way. It's like oh, they well, just need to stay focused right, week to week. Can I give week. you my example? So the Patriots, as long as you face the in mic. 2001, the Patriots faced off against the greatest show on turf. Oh, boy. In 2001, they faced yes. the greatest show on turf. They yes. were 14-point underdogs. At that time of in NFL history, there was one week before the Super Bowl. Now, ever since then, there's been two weeks, and the Patriots, you know, have had some of their struggles. The big letdown in 07 after the undefeated season against the Giants. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's a chance that 
You know, kind of like how Andy Reid, the two weeks helps out Andy Reid. I feel like the two weeks helps out the other team, prepare for the Patriots, more than it does Belichick's team. Because Belichick gets those plans out quick. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, I, I, man, I don't know. I like the aspect of the of the, of the time rest because it gives people time to, like, get recovered. Oh, yeah, and you're, you're seeing the best. I like the it, best. too. But I just um, thought maybe that... But I I think you could talk about anything when it comes down to Brady and Belichick, and you could talk about he's slowing down, or, you know, oh, they're yeah, going to have let's, all, let's talk about all, all of these certain problems. But I think once once it comes postseason against the Patriots, and this is me, I'm going to jump on their balls right now and give them a good lick, is like you could just never count them out when it comes oh, yeah. to postseason because it's a whole different culture, it's a whole different mindset of how to prepare because a lot of teams just ride on what's worked for them all through the season and just expect that to work for them up to the point of the Super Bowl, whereas the Patriots look at it like this doesn't work for us, we got to change it for this defense. Or it doesn't work for us, we got to change that for McVay because he has his tendencies here and his tendencies there. I think that's where Brady and Belichick will be the best in my mind in my lifetime that I've seen is like they will know how to adjust to those things. Better than anybody I've ever seen. And they can in adjust in game on the fly too. In game as well. They, they correct exactly. in game better they than don't, anyone. They don't get stuck. I mean, they slapped the Chiefs right in the face on the running game last week. Offensive line Gronk just saying, "Hey, don't use me passing. I'm just going to run block the first half. We're just going to jam it down their throat, knock them by surprise." The team buys in. The team buys in, and they buy into the philosophy because how can you not trust a philosophy of teams that have been that many times to the Super Bowl? If you look at the rosters of the 1-53 through 53 of the Rams versus the 1-53 through 53 of the Patriots. On paper, they lose almost all the time. You're taking the Rams almost every single almost, time. Almost every time. Almost every time. Against the Falcons, yes, I'd take that. Yeah. Against Seattle that year, yes, I'd take that on paper. But that's what makes them great because it's not about necessarily the overall physical talent. It's about the sum of the parts. The IQ. Yeah. IQ. Yeah, I mean, we, we said it last week. Uh, Tony Romo said it. It's like having uh, an, an offensive coordinator on the field, you know, and, he, and just the way he reads defenses and the way he, you know, moves through his progressions and the way he just sees the game in general. Um, you know, there's nobody out there that does it with also the high level of execution, you know. Right. Okay, with that said, now how are the Patriots offensively going to attack the Rams? And one more thing, and the Pats always get the bounce. (laughs) They do. It just fucking happens. You always get that. There's, there is luck involved. The more skilled you are, the luckier you. In two thousand and seven, David Tyree (laughs) caught a ball with a stick with a with some gum on his helmet. In two thousand eleven. Mario Manningham had the most retarded out-of-bounds shoulder catch that you'll ever see. Those in are plays of skill, not plays of luck. Those are plays of Wait, skill. Wait, the Tyree play was a play of skill? And like the Asante Samuel before the Tyree catch with the ball going right through his hands? But in 2011, Wes Welker, the ball tipping off his hands. Like, the Patriots get unlucky, too. 2016, Pete Carroll just has an aneurysm. <laughs> Makes a bad call. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it goes both ways. I, no, I just want—I'm being funny. I'm not busting. It does your, go I'm both not ways. Your chops right it does there. go both ways. And if you want to get me upset, to be you're on your way. No, no, no! Whoa, 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 guys! He's gonna cut us off. We're here. I've been really nice this week, by the way. I saw your Facebook post. I didn't like it. I want—I want to be detached from the Facebook posts. 
<laughs> on our page? Yes. We gotta play both sides. I don't want to we be part of that negativity. We are a community of listeners here who want both sides of... Well, every time head. I try to post, it says... The, I don't know how to change it, but it says Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I want to post as myself and block Green Mountain Sports Roundup. Okay, I'll show you how, I'll show you how to do that after we're done, okay? All right. You sit in my lap, we're going to walk you through this. <laughs> Gordon Hayward got two points with a slam dunk. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, God, where are we at right now? Do you want to read any of these? Uh, locker room, Shit let's get the Patriots pissed off again. Oh, yeah, Nickel, Robbie pe- Coleman. Because people just can't keep their freaking mouth shut. Why? So let me tell you that in history of, like, taunting verbally, in a way, the Patriots organization, why wouldn't Sean McVay come out and like, hey, guys, let's just be professional. Let's keep it all in-house. Let's just be prepared. Let's keep our mouths shut. Why can't players just shut their fucking mouths? Well, yeah, you have a good history of this because you had a D-back, a DB, a defensive back for the Steelers <laughs> who talked a lot of shit about the Patriots one year in, like, 2010 or 11, and then the Patriots came out and torched his ass. They targeted him over and over and over again. Yeah, it's not... Uh, Antoine... I can't remember his name off the top of my head. but He they, probably faded. Yeah, there was someone who came out and talked a lot of crap about Tom Brady. And he paid a hefty price for it. He pulled a Larry Woodson Houdini after one great year. Too much talking. All right, so Nickel Roby Coleman comes out yesterday and he sees a way to get Brady all over the place and that the QB will slowly start to reveal himself if the Rams' defense can stay connected. What will be revealed? Will Roby Coleman... Faced Brady several times over four years with the Bills and thinks the current version is noticeably different. Roby Coleman says, yes, yes, age has definitely taken a toll. For him to still be doing it, that's a great compliment for him. But I think that he's definitely not the same quarterback that he was. Movement, speed, velocity, arm strength, he can still sling it, but he's not slinging it as much. Whatever he was doing because of his age and all that, he's not doing as much of that anymore. He's still doing the same things. He's just not doing as much of it. And sometimes it's not the sharpest. But it still gets done. So that was Roby Coleman talking about Tom, a, Tom Brady and specifically. That's an interesting display of thought diarrhea. <laughs> well, and then when discussing the Patriots, he says it's the little things, he explains, the arrogance, the fact that Belichick is going to go for it on fourth and three when he's leading 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. The Patriots love antagonizing teams. It's shit like that, man. Little shit to look down upon a team. He adds, little asshole stuff like that. Pardon my language. That's what makes you not like New England. So, Roby Coleman certainly got himself set up on a tee for the Patriots. Did, did Roby much. Coleman say part of my language, or did you just need to say that because... I you had were, to throw that in. It was you a little, were, little much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Oh is it fair enough? I don't know. Jesus who knows at this point. Uh, uh, man. I think you know what I think the part that he needed to 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 excuse him was a little a little much was just the disparaging talk about the Patriots. It had nothing to do with the cuss words. Well, he's awake now. You mentioned one thing bad about the Patriots, just like instant freaking like. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm in the bunker, man. Six shots of espresso, just <laughs> right in the bunker. <laughs> I am in the bunker, <laughs> and I'm ready. I'm ready for war this week, man. I'm I gotta, ready. I gotta take this occasion to ex- excuse myself to the listeners. Um, battling a little chest thing right now, so I am hacking and wheezing. I apologize. <laughs> Alright, so let's that. get back to the Brady and the Patriots offense and how they can attack the Rams and how are they going to protect themselves against Aaron Donald. So what a lot of people I've seen say this this past week is this, the, the Rams have the formula similar, similar to the 07 Giants 
and the 2011 Giants and previous teams that have had success against Brady and the Patriots offense having the rushers up the middle, specifically defensive MVP Aaron Donald, this 20 and a half sacks, he can be a disruptive force. Sue's played well. And so what, you double, triple team, you, you chip on Aaron Donald, and that leaves Sue available, and that also leaves Dante Fowler, the the defensive lineman they picked up from the Jaguars earlier in the year. That leaves him available. We saw him disrupt uh, Drew Brees in the Ch- NFC Championship game this that past week. So in my opinion, I think that you're going to see a continuation of exactly what the Patriots came out and did to the Chargers and the Chiefs. And you're going to see a lot of 22 and 21 personnel. Now, the that's uh, 22 is two running backs, two tight mm-hmm. ends. 21 is two tight ends, uh, one running back. So you're going to see a lot of the heavy formations, and you're going to see the Patriots try to pound the ball with Sony Michelle. You're going to see a heavy dose of Sony Michelle. I think you're going to see a lot of James White as well. We saw Kamara catch 11 passes against right. the Saints, um, against the Rams two weeks ago. So they had they had real difficulty with the pass catching running back. So James White will have a big day. Another note about James White: it's his 27th birthday on February 3rd, the Super Bowl. So it could be a nice birthday bash for Mr. White. Um, Maybe I, an, think, and, I, I think he's got to have a big game. Well, for, he could be an MVP candidate, yeah. is what I'm saying. And so, I think you see a lot. What, I think you see a lot of check and chip blocking off off the front. Right. So if the Patriots could run the ball, because Littleton is an undersized linebacker, and they only use one linebacker as well, similar to what the Chargers do, what the yeah. Chargers did a couple weeks ago, and they're going to bring safety Mark Barron down to try to help with the run game. But again, he's undersized as well. Right. So. I know that, and here's my concern, what the Rams did to the Cowboys running game two weeks ago, because everyone says the Patriots should be able to run the ball. Well, the Cowboys should have been able to run the ball as well, but they didn't. They struggled with it. So, I do think the one edge for the Patriots, though, is that they are not, we need to run the ball, and if we don't run the ball, we're screwed. The Patriots can mix it up. Well, yeah, and I thought, I I really thought the Cowboys took it in the wrong way, thinking their offensive line could go head-to-head with those players on the defensive line and just push forward. They didn't do a lot of that check down, that 2-2, that 2-1, like you're talking about. They didn't, like, bring those guys in. Um, And I really think with that Edelman type that we didn't have because Cole Beasley was pretty much out of the game. Absolutely. That hurt us big time. That hurt us big time. We didn't have that check guy mm-hmm. just coming off and just get, get, get either like going to a five-yard Even Jarwin was hurt, too. After his yep. first catch, he was hurt. So that's, at, yeah. Gronk can be a, so, a factor there, too. I really think that you're going to see a lot, about, a lot of that just bringing those tight ends in. It's going to be about protection first. It's going to be like time position. They're going to try to get those first downs. I mean, how many first downs they have against Kansas City in the first half? And they're just trying to push. They didn't really go for the big play. They were just like, just Take smash them off the ball. Don't make any mistakes. Wear don't, them down. Don't force the issue. Just do what we know how to do. And I think the Rams need to stay out of that zone aspect mindset on defense and really just check man-to-man and just say, beat us or don't beat us and see where that goes first rather than just do that whole bend but don't break. Who do you think, think that's Talib is on? I think just for speed and what's going to, they might try to do on the outset. It might be Dorset. I don't know when he's in the game. Yeah, I've I think heard Dorset. Yeah, I think it's where he's going to check on. But I've he, heard Gronk too. They like to put on Gronk, but I, I don't want to see him on Edelman because he's 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 too physical for me for Edelman. So if he if I see he could to leave on Edelman, want, if they really I don't want like to try that. that. But Roby Coleman's their slot their slot cornerback, right. and so he's the guy that will normally or you know 
for anyone else, would he would be on Edelman. So right. if they're doing what they normally but do, I it's going to be Roby Coleman. But I think if you're really saying, like, challenge us and you're going to step up and try to be physical with the receivers up front and try to keep everything in front of you, that's where you put Tlaib on Dorsa because he's the only one that's really going to have the speed to release and get Double downfield. Double move. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, so do we think the Patriots have the advantage on offense or the Rams have the advantage on defense there? I think the Patriots are going to have the advantage on the offense. You just The numbers are there. Um, the scheme is there. The talent is there. And I don't think they're going to let Aaron Donald just did ruin the game for them. No. Tom Brady walked into the in into the locker room and said, you know why we're going to win this? Because I'm a, what do you say? I'm, I'm, I'm the bad, baddest motherfucker out there. Baddest motherfucker out there, yeah. I was going to say badass just, motherfucker, but I knew what I was right. I, get your I, had, this gut, I had this <laughs> horrible nice. gut feeling that Sue's going to get like three personal penalties that's just going to kill it. They have these guys. Stand. They to have leave those guys. And just can't stop. They just they're gonna like take that extra two steps and just put explosive, a pop on Brady. Explosive personality. Yeah, guys. just try to set the stage. Yeah. Do something stupid. It's been in Sue's like it's been in his DNA this whole time in the league. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, "What do you think the biggest like turnaround? Like the biggest thing that affect this game?" And I think it could be personal personal um, penalties. On that discipline. defensive line. Yeah, discipline. discipline. Just holding forward. We saw how discipline affected D. Ford and the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't Looks like Pro Bowl. Yeah, D. Ford again lined <laughs> up off sides of the Pro Bowl. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, should, he should have a joke that had been five yards back every I time. Because the game didn't make a fucking difference anyway. All right, speaking of the Pro Bowl, why don't we uh, just get, I mean, we're all in, a, in agreement. Are we making you, picks before we roll into this? Well, we we got to switch like, to Patriots defense versus Rams offense and then do a little special teams. Yeah. All right. Let's move it along. Okay. Uh, so, special teams, uh, that Jim Fossil's son coaches the special teams for the Rams, and we saw what the value of Johnny Hecker yeah. and the punting unit and how, how effective they can be. And I don't know I don't know if he does the holding for Greg Zerline or if it's the backup quarterback, Sean Mannion, who does the holding. I think Do it's you? Mannion. I think it is Mannion. But if it was Hecker, that would concern me. Yeah. You know, watching out for a fake. Right. But... I think the special teams is going to be a good matchup because the Patriots have a good special teams as well with Corderell Patterson and Steven Guskowski and uh, Brian Allen, the left-handed punter. So I think the special teams is kind of a toss-up in my opinion. Yeah, We should come up before the, for this week and come up with some prop bets because I, I think Edelman might pass the ball. Yeah, you, I think you're, you're going to see some trickery, I think. I think you have to. I From think, one I think, side or the other. Yeah, I think or both. if either team's not really making a dramatic move for a touchdown and they feel a little stagnant, I think you're going to see McVeigh and Belichick pull some, some little trickery out of their pockets and, and really make something happen. I don't think you're going to see a pass to Brady like you get. <laughs> but we, you know what we did say? But. Last year was Gostowski, and uh, he missed some kicks last year against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and they were very uncharacteristic of him. An extra point, a couple missed field goals. Um, yeah, just there was he missed three kicks in that game last year. That we were in very a, we're in a controlled climate of a dome. So maybe well, that's, that's where he was last year. That's true. I don't yeah. think I was thinking about the other one. Ah, I don't know. I, I think you're gonna. Uh, you never know how the Super Bowl pressure affects someone, right? So we're talking about Rams offense too, going against Patriots defense. I, I my biggest head scratcher, and it's been in certain big games for the Rams this season, is like. What's the game plan going to be around Gurley? Yeah, yeah where is he at? Is and and I, like I said a few minutes ago, I think the Patriots are going to let Gurley and Anderson yeah. get theirs if McVay and the Rams' offense is patient enough and willing to take it. They'll they can have it for as long as they want it until the Patriots adjust. I think that the Patriots are going to hold, try to hold the passing game in check, do the amoeba front. 
I think you'll I think you'll see a lot of Anderson early because he's a big boy. He can knock the wind out of those defenders. He can like if you can get some some three, you know Possibly, but I think they want to get Gurley going, don't you? I think what if they go to a two back set? They could. And then, that but could, then I mean, you use... running him out, you running him out of the backfield, Gurley, and he's he's more your die play on Anderson. I have nightmares about freaking Wade Phillips's defense with the Broncos in 2013 and 2015, and C.J. Anderson in 2015 running for the Broncos. They, they, that was the last uh, championship game that we lost. Yeah. So I don't like Wade Phillips and C.J. Anderson. Was it Wade Anderson. Phillips and McDaniel's together when McDaniel's was in Denver? Was no, that, that was, no, that was uh, before. Right? Phillips was in Houston at That's that right. time. Okay. I was just wondering because if there's going to be a little insight with Josh McDaniels about how to run against Wade Phillips as well, just beating his mind. Yeah, um, no, they didn't quite uh, pass. And this is the, you know, and this is a Josh McDaniels again coming out party too. What he's going to do in the Super Bowl as well, as his legacy is going to build. Like if this is going to be a win, a great offensive scheme for his side, taking over from Belichick in the future. He's already said he's going to he's going to stick with this franchise. He gave up a lot of coaching jobs again and in interviews. Yeah, let a lot of opportunities pass by. Straight up, um, here's left one the other thing I want, and dry. Yeah. I want to add is that I've heard this week, and it was um, it was Van Noy, Kyle Van Noy, who let it slip out, who who's had a tremendous postseason, the number one linebacker according to Pro Football Focus in all the playoffs of all the linebackers so far this year. Uh, Van Noy let it slip out that this year's season, or the police now, it's about it's been about atonement. And that they didn't take the Super Bowl as seriously as they should have as last year, and they kind of went in Philadelphia and they slapped it out there. You know, you saw Belichick go out the Thursday night before and go to the Timberwolves basketball game and meet up with Tom Thibodeau, yeah. and you saw uh, Malcolm Butler get suspended. The Patriots went out last year to Minnesota on the Monday. This year they went out on a Sunday, so they're tightening. It seemed to be tightening it up this year, and that this year is about atoning for la- last year. The game plan. We saw the Eagles run up and down the Patri- right. against the Patriots last year, and they could, the tackling was terrible, the defense was terrible, and then when it came down to the end, and you needed Tom Brady to win it, yeah. it just he got the ball poked away from him. But I don't, so, I don't get that with especially so how defense, atonement yeah. to me that that's gonna be a big drive for a team, and I think that that Van Noy let that slip out that this team is about atoning for how they performed last year because they didn't give it their best effort because they took it for granted that they are the Patriots because in 2014 and 2016 they won the Super Bowl and they thought the last year that they could just slap it out there against a backup <coughs> quarterback and, uh, and Doug Peterson who was a kind of a, um, a not well-polished coach. So they thought against Foles and Peterson and the Eagles they could just slap it out there and they'd win another Super Bowl and it didn't work out like that. So this year they're atoning for that. So it seems to me they have a more business-like approach. That's why I'm going to be predicting a more lopsided Patriots win this year. Yeah, I'm, possibly so. I'm definitely predicting a blowout. I think the moment's going to be too big for Goff. Uh, I think it could almost play out almost like it did with the Chiefs last week. I think you could see a great game plan coming out in the first half, but also a great explosive young offense coming out and, and still making explosive big splashes in the second half. To making it a little bit competitive. I don't think it's going to be the blowout maybe you guys are predicting. I do think the Patriots will win. I think there's too many players on this team. Brady, Belichick, Edelman, Gronk, those guys knowing this is this could be their last like true, true, 100% feeling like we could win run, type of run. Mm-hmm. Could it be, your, be there next year? Some players possibly so say we still have enough el- uh, tools to get there. But as far as like them as a whole team saying this is our chance to actually get that trophy in our hands one more time. I think that team is bought in, that atonement you're talking about. 
Um, and there's a, they're a special group. They are the, a special the, the group. Core of that and how team. that defense stepped up last week, especially in the first half, I think it got to him. I think when Mahomes got out of the pocket, he was able to create it, change things a little bit. But Goff is not that that type of quarterback. He's going to be. But he made a, big big throws against the Saints. He really impressed me. His resilience. Yeah. I think he's a high IQ guy. I think almost like it may work against him, like McVay being in his head all the time, letting this kid. And I know he's young. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think maybe like give him a little bit of leadway to make some decisions and and not get so far far much in his head and and get off the mic a little bit out of the helmet. But There's I something don't, to watch for in the future. I don't don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I'm predicting ten top. 12. I'll take 12 that. That's three. a blowout for me. In the Super well, yeah. Bowl? In the Super Bowl. Do you, do you think... Patriots uh, are always close. Uh, do you think the Patriots go into the half with um, more than a two-possession lead? I hope so, man. I, this is, you know, I'm just... Right now, I'm just kind of spearing what I hope happens. I hope it's 34-10. to 10. Realistically, yeah. I think maybe 34-27 is the final score. But I want 34-10. If they can go into halftime up like 17-3, to I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. And and that's what I hope happens. But the Rams are a good team. You know, they spent a lot of money on free agents this year to stack this team up. And they're built for this run. And <sighs> I think, I, I I think if you're NFL god of gods that you want another Brady drive down for either a field goal or a touchdown I to don't. win. But also a young Goff, like, really showing his resilience and offensively did a great job on the offensive end. But also, I just want to, I mean, as a fan. No, I get it. I, I want to see a great game. Actually, Johnny, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now and I'll tell it to the world. I'd actually want to see Brady win. I think it kind of put this fucking whole GOAT discussion to rest. Isn't it already to rest? I think in a lot of ways. We still have some people out there who just don't want to accept it. The th- I've accepted th- it this year. I accepted basically, la- you know, the last last year or so. But it, it, I just—I mean, I feel like you're just in denial. You know, um, you mean you know, generally? You're not talking to me because I'm not in denial. I mean, you're, you're, if you don't think that, I feel like, um, oh, who is the um, WFAN guy, um, Mike um, for New York? Yeah, what's his the older name? guy? Yeah, I know who you're talking about talking who about was with Mad Dog? Dog. Yeah, Mad Dog, and what's his name? Hacker. And Mad Dog's old partner. Yeah. He he still refuses to say that Brady is the greatest of all time. I saw that. And he That's was... people's own personal arrogance because they're talking so much shit for so long. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's any ground anybody can stand. Mike Francesa. On. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Francesa. Right. It's like on the tip of yeah. my tongue. Hanging up on the as... collars that are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but as far as just a winner in general and someone who just just doesn't give up, just takes a team on his back. I mean, he, he's got to be the greatest of all time. Dunk. Greatest ever. <laughs> but. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so we go no with doubt. that. I, 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 it'd be, God, God. It's not that I want to deal with the truth of it. I just don't want to deal with certain Patriot fans. Yeah. It's not even about you. You do it, you do it with a way that you know, you, you back it up. You have statistics to do it. I mean, I just, you know how ignorance plays out with certain fans. Like, you know, football didn't start until the year yeah, 2001. Yeah, stupid fans suck. Jeez. Yeah, they do. Is this really coming from a Cowboys fan? Yeah. 
the Co- fuck? I've been hiding under a rock for 20 years. What are Co- you talking about? Cowboys fans are the hey, worst. Hey, I've rooted for your Cowboys this year, so I want I expect some love and not, and not I, stop spewing fine. all this hate. That's fine. All this shit I'm putting on Facebook is just for general entertainment and trying to keep certain aspects of our listeners and people who follow us happy. Okay? It, we got to appeal to the Bunker masses. mentality. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one, one last thing I wanted to talk about uh, this Super Bowl. Um, that I thought was really interesting is that um, uh, I read somewhere that secondary market sales for tickets are way the fuck down for this uh, Super Bowl. Interest in the Super Bowl is actually pretty low. Um, I mean, how many times have the Patriots been there? So they're they're not. What's a Rams fan? That's the problem, and, right? <laughs> and and that's the other thing yeah. too is that uh, you know so you have. You have a team that that's that's made it to the big show three of the last four years, and versus a team with no fans, fans who are either four, fourteen or younger or sixty five or older, right? Yeah. And the league didn't want this. No, I, they I built mean that, they built that up on Monday Night Football. The league wanted Kansas City and Rams. That was supposed to be like maybe they wanted game the Rams because they're trying to build that new Disneyland like complex in LA. So they're trying to establish the Rams. No, I don't. But there are no true Rams fans. The fans in LA. Are either Cowboys fans, Raiders fans, or um, uh, there's one more. There was one more fan base that's big out there, but they're not Rams fans. And right. if you are a Rams fan, it's because you're old as shit, or it's because you're young and you're jumping on the bandwagon or now. Or you're down in Mexico. Or you're down in Mexico. Dallas and, and Dallas no, and Rams have the biggest following. Out there's of no Rams fans. Yeah. So and, and so those and fans honestly, gonna... not not to hurt your feelings. I, nobody wanted to see the Patriots again this year. I mean, it's the way. That, I mean, that was the narrative. I, I mean, you can look at the map. I mean, that's what it is, though. I looked at tickets, and they were just as expensive as they were last year. Four thousand dollars <laughs> for nosebleeds. It's ridiculous. Jesus Christ. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and leave you with the clip of the week, uh, and then we're gonna get into a little bit of a Super Bowl game that I have devised for you guys. I don't even know what's coming. <laughs> and then um, we've all prepared um, our three most memorable or uh, favorite Super Bowls, or maybe just a, something that we wanted to point out. But uh, we've each got three for you, so uh, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Hey, watch I'm going to go knock out that uh, Patriots, man. I'm going to go knock this mask out back we were just uh serenaded by the audio of jamal adams uh for the jets laying out uh patriot if i read that pat patriot pat Pat patriot so uh (laughs) getting laid out yeah he just you got thoughts on that johnny No, <laughs> hate, hate, haters gonna hate, and you know he thought it was he thought it was funny, and they're like in a tickle fight earlier that day, so I think it was staged. But yeah, it just went you were. Wrong. There was. Hold on a second. This, this is all changed because there was some genuine outrage the day this came out. The kid went to the hospital had a concussion. Okay. To be fair, you were also upset because the ten year old kid in Iowa. 
Oh, that Sci- fucking dickhead! I'm gonna ruin that fucking oh, kid's the science life. fair project, kid. Destroy don't, that kid. Don't worry, fucking man child of the century. Uh, Dave Portnoy has already ruined that kid's life. So. <laughs> yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to that ten year old kid. <laughs> fucking a. Fucking shithead. <laughs> Oh god! All right, and that's Pro Bowl talk. <laughs> there it is. That's the, we covered the Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, what a waste of fucking time! Do you know it did eight million viewers though? Which wow. in, it blows my oh, mind. Why? Which is like more than any the Stanley Cup ever does, and it's just people watch it. It's some crazy stat like the winners of the Pro Bowl get something around sixty thousand, which is only like twenty five thousand less than the losers of the Super Bowl. So I get it. But they, just, I don't know. I, I don't like know. the Super Bowl. When you go on the run, it you because we saw with the um, Sean Payton incentive bounty gate that he did for his players. It was two hundred and twenty five thousand. If you go on the run and win the Super Bowl, you get two hundred twenty five thousand yeah. per player through the course of the whole through the course. Yeah, yeah, right of the playoffs. I don't know. They got a lot of things to think about. They are talking about the weather in Orlando and how that fog set in, just how crappy it was. It's, it's got to like be in Hawaii. To, you got to be at least West Coast. It's got to be Hawaii, man. That's what we know. That's Hawaii is where the Pro Bowl is. You go to Hawaii so and I hate the, I hate the whole concept of this. It's like nobody wants to, ugh, never mind. Well, it's, no, it's, it's, we this can, year was specifically it's bad. It's flag football. We can get into it too. I I think if they actually, you know, did flag football, it would be m- like more no enter- pads, now they're just having more entertaining. Yeah, more entertaining because it would be different and it would be fun, and they would be having fun with it. Football, if you're not trying, it just does not fucking <laughs> translate. I mean, look at what the but NHL. Still, if you try and play flag, you still tear your knee up. Look what the NHL did. They they went to. Um, but don't hit me with your pin, sir. They went to three on three, a three on three tournament yeah. for. And it's fucking electric because it is breakaway after breakaway. And, you know, they're not they're not really trying either. You know, there's a lot of showmanship and grab ass. And they were tired of there. the 17 to 15 all-star game scores, I think. There's, it was still pretty pretty high scoring. I mean, Sidney Crosby had something crazy. Like <laughs> I mean, the NBA gets away with it because nobody plays defense in the three NBA Three 20-minute anyway. games. Or two 20-minute games. Yeah. Anyways, Ezekiel Elliott played defense. Well, yeah. I would. You know what I'd love to see for a, a Pro Bowl is, is some offensive Pro Bowl player. is definitely or or any kind of um, All Star game thing. Although the All Star format does work well for baseball, you can still play baseball, and it's still. I liked when it did stand for home field advantage. A re, a reasonably a reasonably good. Uh, product to watch yeah. but anyways what i think they should do is they should just completely do something way off the wall get all of these elite athletes together and have them play fucking badminton and <laughs> and hacky sack and i can't remember the player they used to do lacrosse. like the uh, three on three sand football Robert Edwards. Was Robert Edwards tore his knee up. The tore rookie his, running back career. Fucked his career up. Yeah. Destroyed his career. That's why I because I knew it was a Patriot. 1997. So they, they did all these, like, you know, big obstacles, like rope climbing over the walls. Mm-hmm. And they did this three on three sand football game. Rookie had upside, tore his knee up. Trouble. S- yeah. Sand. Sand football just sounds like the dumbest idea yeah, I've ever heard. Towards like sand volleyball. And he was never the same slows it down and, like, you're just cutting everybody's barefoot and having fun. It's Hawaii. Yeah, 
Yeah. I actually, I remember that too. Even the best players don't play in the Pro Bowl, and that's saying you know, Tom Brady has made fourteen Pro Bowls. He hasn't played in it two, since two thousand and five. So, yeah, you're not getting the best players. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like the incoming like top twenty things projecting the draft, playing some of the NFL players, or doing something silly like that. You know, just have the skills competition that they had a couple of days before, something. and then just roll into an award show in Hawaii. Just give out awards. Like, I don't know. Roast each other. Do something fun. Or maybe lawn darts or cornhole yeah. or fucking, you know. like or actually shove corn in Roger Goodell's hole. That'd be entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe like a pitch and putt kind of thing. Or, you know, what the fuck ever. It's just, what it is is terrible. And I would like to pass. see something you else. You said pitch and putt? No, I meant pitch and putt. Okay, all right. Just make sure. Okay, fair enough. Again, even the announcers it? weren't paying attention because Witten uh, Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to Ebron, and Witten and Witten was like, "Yeah, he's been connecting the Ebron. Uh, Ebron, that's been his guy all season long." No, nope. Ebron's like, "What are you nope. talking about? You talk, are you it's trying a to Stephen say A. Kelsey Smith moment?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably half in the bag at that point. <laughs> Good times. Hi, Bex. How you doing? We have buddy? a studio dog tonight. Yep. Is his name Brexit? Brexit. <laughs> John, what's the dog's name? Beager. Beager. Ah, that was yeah. close. Bregs. <laughs> Alright, so let's get to um, this little game that I've yeah, devised for you guys. Good. It is a Super Bowl trivia game. And you will be... I'm yeah, lose. <laughs> you will be awarded one point. Per correct answer, oh. you will also have the ability to steal should the other person get it wrong. Uh, and there's a there's a one up question. We're going with we're going with uh, whose line is it any anyways rules points don't matter and I make up the rules as I go along. Oh god, I've got something uh, lovely as penance for the loser. Let's get started. Um, so fucked. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. I'll, since you feel like you're at a disadvantage, Marty, I'll give you the option of going first or second. <laughs> Wait, I feel like I'm at the disadvantage. <laughs> I'll go second. Okay. So, John. That's what I'm getting into. In 1995, quarterback Steve Young and the San Francisco 49ers beat the San Diego Chargers uh, in Super Bowl 29. The point, total points scored was the highest ever. Was the score... Plus or minus seventy three and a half. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go minus. Wrong. So, Marty, you have a chance to steal. You know that it's over seventy three and a half. How many total points was it? How many total points? Yeah. Oh. I have a chance I to steal. Read this I think today. I know the score. I thought I knew the score, but I oh the Chargers. I, I know keep it. talking, Johnny. <laughs> keep I talking. I know it. You know the total. You tell the I total. Seventy-five. Oh, and Marty with Off the by steal. Off one, right? Was that 59-17? I just know that it's seventy-five. I don't have the. No, it wasn't that. Uh, although 56 Um <coughs> It would have to be 58. Get off your phone. Because you might find other questions right now. Put that Come on. Steve Young, like Steve Young had six touchdowns. He can accept defeat. All right. So while he's looking that up and hopefully not uh, <laughs> getting anything, any any uh, unfair information, uh, to Marty, 
What was the most watched halftime show in Super Bowl history? I'll give you. I will give you three uh, options. Just to... forty nine twenty six. Okay. Super Bowl twenty seven featuring Michael Jackson. That was uh, Cowboys and uh, Buffalo. Super Bowl thirty eight. Uh, that's the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, wardrobe Boobie. malfunction, titty gate <laughs> fucking show. Or Super Bowl forty nine with Katy Perry. Oh, see, I feel like this is a trap question. There's, um, oh, there's eight. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I know the answer. I think with the younger crowd, I think, I'm going to go Katy Perry. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. Michael Jackson by fact, which is going to be something I bring up later. Let me show you how I know. First, oh. <laughs> oh, he's got it DVR'd. He's, he's got it ready to go. At 118 Point five million viewers. It was. Um, Look at that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's on there. Katy Perry making of the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> Good times. I drink, uh, although the, although I they, drink her bathwater. Yep. <laughs> they do say they do say that if we're taking into account, um, sh- you know, streaming on mobile sites oh, yeah. and sharing, and that the Lady Gaga show is actually the most watched. But she killed it. <laughs> it's yeah. been considered the most watched. Um, Did we talk about that recently? She caught the football at the end. She jumped off the stage and caught the football. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most watched um, musical event in history. 150 million viewers live. It's Maroon 5. My up two, though. Yep. Sweet baby Jesus. We got Maroon 5. That's five. All right. Each question is, is potentially worth uh, two points. So... Speaking of which, we got a two-point question here. Dick. <laughs> Name the four teams that have never been to a Super Bowl. Ooh. I got one. Do I need, uh, can you I? need Wait, all four. Are you ready to step in and answer that? Unless. Uh, Are you, like, grabbing your phone? No, I want to have got something <laughs> right with it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to remember them all. Here. Here. Just the four teams. Is it whoever what chimes in first? No, no, no. Johnny's going to. Same I can't remember one. four. Okay. If you can't get them all going, there's got to be some kind of time limit on this. Yeah, there has to be. I got two. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do you got so far? Texans and Browns. Texans and Browns, yep. Jaguars. Jaguars. Nope. And for the... Five, four. Man, this is this is three, a tricky one here. Two, one. Um, Marty for the steal. I just got I just got to throw in that last one. If you John will get John will get one point. I think because he he did good job. He did good job. He did good he job. Don't get no good, he did good job. But you can you can steal his points if you could name the last one. I'm gonna run with off the top of my head and shoot for it and say the Cincinnati Bengals. No, wrong. I knew it was wrong. wrong. The other way, I would you say uh, Browns, Texans, and Jags? Jaguars, Lions. Oh, Lions. that's right. Ah. Shit. So John gets a point there. Marty, going over to you. Name. How does he get a point? We got three out of four, right? Yeah. Well, we're about. I would have got there. I just needed another minute. We're about to do the same thing for you here. <clears throat> Name three players to win back-to-back championships with different teams. This is. 
A two-point question. Name three players to win back-to-back championships there are, with different teams. Yep, there are five of them. But if you can name three, you get one point. If you can name all five, you'll get the two. I got two. Charles Haley? Uh, okay. You're done. I'm done? No he didn't Charles go to San Francisco. He didn't go to Dallas? It wasn't Charles Haley. Fuck, I'm done. All right, go ahead and get a job. <laughs> uh, Dion. Dion, yep. Ken Norton. Ken Norton. Ken Norton Sr. Jesus. It's really funny because they both... You can't talk about Brady. He's been with one team. You said Jesus, right? (laughs) There was... uh... Switched, yeah. Oh, Brandon Browner. Yep, Brandon Browner is another one. So we got three, three. right? That's three. Johnny, can you get the last two and for the the extra points? No. (coughs) You got one point. To get to the championship? Not to win the championship or get to the championship? To win the championship? To win. Oh, I feel like one of them was a Seahawk. From the... Brandon Browner was the Seahawk. No, or the earlier, the 05 Seahawks. I don't know. Just keep drinking your beer. Both... That's your fucking penance. <laughs> Both Chris Long and LeGarrette Blount oh! went yeah. from the Patriots to How did the I not get those two? Those are two of my guys. Because <laughs> it's so obvious. You're yeah. like... Yeah, you're right. I'm sticking outside the box. Yeah. All right, so how, we're... How far down am I right now? You guys are two all. Yeah. Tied two up. all. Fair enough. Uh, this it's one's Johnny's. going to Johnny. Yep. Which player had the longest time span between championships as a player? Is that Tom Brady with 10? That's your guess? Yeah. False. It is Ray Lewis. And for the steal, Marty. Oh, wow. How many seasons? Say it one more time. The full question. Which player had the longest time span between championships as a player? Tom Brady was false. It is Ray Lewis. For the steal, how many seasons was it between championships for Ray Lewis? Five. That is a dumbass guess. <laughs> Simply because I said Tom Brady with 10. Yeah. <laughs> that was wrong. I wouldn't listen. I'm sorry. I wasn't uh, listening. I'm going to go uh, really? 11. 2000 or 2011. Uh, that is solid thinking, but it was 12 seasons. Oh, it was 12. Come on. All right. So I really need to concentrate here. <laughs> We're still tied. These Marty. Bud Lights are strong. <laughs> Who is the oldest player in Super Bowl history? Oh, Jesus. This is an oldie, I think. Oldie? I will I will say this. I did I did not go reaching into the into the annals of history. Really? Yeah. So this it, isn't it's, it's all pretty This isn't a kicker from the 70s? Uh, I don't think so. It might be. It looks like staring me down like now, okay, this is for like now million, I'm fucking, millions of dollars. <laughs> now I'm questioning myself on this question specifically. <laughs> move on to the next. Oh god, I'm not gonna get it right. So it's like that's what I got. So I've won. You can go. You want me to go? I'm passing. So, <laughs> all right. Since you're saying that's probably not who it is, I'm going to say my second answer was going to be Gary Anderson. Well, who was your first answer? Jan Stenerud. Nope. All right. So y'all are both wrong. It was Matt Stover, but... What? Kicker for the Ravens. 2000? Jesus. I didn't realize you were yeah, that old. Yeah. That's what I said. So I tried to keep her, keep her recent, but he was a kicker, so your hint made me nervous. 
Um, so for the steel point, how old was he? Stover? In 2000, first one to chime in. Well, uh, 43. Oh, I was going to say that, but I'm going to go 44 and top him one more time. <laughs> it's 42. Damn it! Fuck you all. Low. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The oldest... <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> oh, fuck. John. That was really loud. Oldest quarterback to win. Just go down to my annals of history. No, no anal. Oh, my boy. <laughs> Gotta come out with it. Brad Johnson? Ooh, that's Wrong. a good guess, though. Wrong. Peyton Manning. Really? Wow. What age? You can tell me for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for a bonus point. Oh, so close. 39. Damn it. Wait, but Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. 39 years, 320 days. Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl at 40 and lost. But he won the year before. When he was 39 and probably less than 320 days. Oh, wow. All right. Break out the envelope. Edge of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're going to just measure it out on the timeline. <laughs> All right, Marty. Who scored the most points in a single game? Super Bowl. Oh, like player? Yeah, what one player scored the most points Ooh. in a single game? In the championship. I got mm-hmm. this one. I think. Oh, God. Emmett Smith. That is a very good guess. Um, but it's wrong. Yeah, I know. I just go with what I knew. It's James, I it. James White. It's 20. James White. Oh, and Marty heard John's got... He just doubled up <laughs> with the points, too. God, I fucking hate it, you. He only gets the one point, because I, I give the answer. It's James White and Marty... Or, fuck, John. <laughs> uh, with the steal point of... Question of 20 points. Three touchdowns and one two-point conversion. Nice job. I'm down 4-2 now. Um, you ain't even keeping up three, with it. 3-2. You're All down 3-2. Right. All right, John. The longest reception in Super Bowl history. Oh, I feel like I just saw it the other day in the Panthers-Patriots Super Bowl from 2003. Moussin Mohammed From? Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Super Bowl 38. Yes, sir. Hey, from- you can't. God, from, from that's a Patriot question. <laughs> well, He's you tattooed on his inner thigh. Every like <laughs> Mohammed. Muhammad. He was on the Panthers. No, I'm talking about the Patriots. That was like an a awful game, play. Though. I was like, this no. <laughs> look at you, Wally. You're talking through. I was eating a cheeseburger. It was overcooked. All right. All right. I'm, <laughs> Marty, just just because I fucking feel really bad for don't you. Don't feel man. bad for me. I knew I, I was gonna lose. I feel bad for you. No, you don't. I'll give you a, a, a an opportunity to win a point here. How many yards was was it? Seventy six. More. <laughs> you <laughs> shook your head wrong right away, <laughs> Dick. John, do you want to wager a guess? Eighty eight. Oh, close. Eighty five. Eighty five. Oh. Right. So John's pretty much got this one wrapped up. Wrapped up. <laughs> but we'll go. We'll go to the last one here. What team 
had the fastest score to start a game in Super Bowl history. Oh. I mean, I'm just going to throw a dart here. I think it was the the Bills. Broncos against the Redskins in the Super Bowl. They got blown out. False. False. Uh, Both false? One the Bills? No. No. It was the Seahawks in Super Bowl 48 coming out and scoring in 12 seconds. Yes. Against them when they pounded the Broncos that game. Yeah. Yeah. Defensive touchdown? Thought that was... <coughs> I don't have that. All right, so uh, John wins four Not to two. One fucking PGA question in there. <laughs> yeah, funny how there wasn't a PGA question in our Super Bowl quiz. <laughs> wow, weird how that works. <laughs> All right, Marty. So uh, as your penance, I have brought a helium balloon. Oh my and, god, that's not going to fit my butt. <laughs> and as we... Yeah, John, if you wouldn't uh, go fetch that for us. Yeah. It says princess. The dog is like, what are you planning on doing with this balloon? <laughs> so there it is. We've been to the same parties. <laughs> Enjoy that. And uh, as we read off our um, th- three top three Super Bowls, uh, you will do it with helium voice. Well, that's nice. That's mature. <laughs> So uh, let's uh, pop a little hole in there and get started with this. Well, wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, let's, that seems like the most direct possible way to go about this, right? Yeah, and we'll be able to pinch it off, too. Use your pen. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> Jesus. One time I get to talk about my cowboys, like I'm in a helium voice. <laughs> It's not fair. You just clapped over there like a little kid. All right. Oh after you, buddy. My, my, what we, uh, top three? Yep. Well, I'll start because I'm going to save my number one. What am I going right you here? You want to do these one at a time? Yeah. No. I would love go, to hear this three no, separate times. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm going to go Cowboys, gain some fucking brain cells back, and you guys can talk. <laughs> So I'm starting out with Jesus. Christ, oh wait, I'm all, like, are we going one number one two three or number three two one? Three two one. I'm starting with three. <laughs> Super Bowl 1906, Chicago, New England Patriots. Not saying this, Johnny, to like bust your balls because it's the, P- the Patriots. I almost picked one against you too. Zuzzler. Forty six ten. There's only enough helium to get through this. That... Pinch it off. Pinch it off. It was in the Super Bowl. Superdome. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the first time, it was Chicago's first city championship since 1963. Well, it sounds weird even coming back into like fruition. <laughs> Most dominating Dean you ever seen. That's why I chose this, this Super Bowl this year, 1985. As a 10-year-old, i never seen a team quite like the Chicago Bears growing up. Um, talk about the most dominating D, I, D I've ever seen is the introduction of the 4-6 defense. Uh, for the whole season, it was 456 points for the Bears against 198 against its opponents. Two postseason shutouts. But to New England's credit, they were a Cinderella team that year. And three, fish. three road wins to get into that championship. But it was a landslide victory, like I said, 46-10. Coin toss was by Brett Starr, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, it was, um, 
Richard Dent, Dan Hampton, Mike, Michael Singletary, which is probably one of my top three players of all time. Uh, he was a Baylor Bear growing up in Texas. Fridge Perry. Touchdown. Uh, touchdown. McMahon, too. Walter Payton didn't even have a touchdown in that Super Bowl. Nope. Crazy enough. Oh, yeah, I think he didn't even have more than 63 yards. Yeah. <laughs> didn't need him. Yeah. But uh, huge dominating Super Bowl shuffle. It was just, it was entertaining. That whole year was just crazy. We're so just that's my, do that's the my, Super Bowl shuffle. That's my number three. All right. Uh, I'll go next. My uh, my number three was Super Bowl twenty eight. Uh, Cowboys versus the Buffalo Bills. Cowboys, of course, won 30-13. Um, the reason I chose this one, it was the first Super Bowl that I remembered. And uh, my, my mom's from uh, Tonawanda, New York, um, just outside of Buffalo. So, um, you know... And that was the end of Jim Kelly, you know, take, taking them to the Super Bowl four years in a row. and get, To lose. Get, getting their asses beat four years in a row. Um, Which was, they were a hell of a team. Yeah, Thurman Thomas on that. Oh my god, Don Beebe. Kagan. Don Beebe. The Kagan offense, yeah. yeah. Um, so after trailing 13-6 uh, to six at the half, the Cowboys scored 24 unanswered points. Uh, largely on the back of Emmett Smith. Uh, who who wound up winning the MVP? Thirty carries, hundred and thirty two yards, two touchdowns. Um, Marty, I'm sure that made you very happy. Oh yeah, I had I had to pick and choose. I mean, obviously, um, have have one of those in there for the Cowboys in the '90s. Uh, I let that one off the hook a little bit, but uh, to go back and ba- back to back that year and and to win um, those two years for the Cowboys were phenomenal. That was my junior and senior year of high school. I was living on top of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looked then like the Cowboys were always going to win. Yeah, until Jerry Jones said, fuck Jimmy Johnson, and things just got a little weird there Unbelievable. for a Unbelievable. The domino effect that that had on the league yeah. is just incredible because, you know, if there's one former coach or player that I could talk to or, in, like, sit down and interview and just chat with, for me, it would Off be the Jimmy record. Johnson. Off the record, like tell me straight, like what what really happened? Well, and just his his coaching philosophies. He was a, a, a uh, he was a philosophy um, master. He had a master's degree in philosophy, yeah. and so he knew how to reach the those players and the, the you know the man coach Miami U. I, that well, that's why I read you know, his book. You had to play, yeah. and it was just it was incredible. Yeah, and I would love to just talk to Jimmy Johnson and. Yeah, know how he dealt with all those personalities on the team, and he, of course, hear some of the stories. But right, and one I didn't include is Jerry the ni- Jones ninety-five too. against the Steelers, is which Barry Switzer took over. Fucker was drinking a case of thirty rack of Curra's Light on his couch and gets a call. You want to coach the Cowboys? Removed from college football, removed from the league. Hell yeah! Like that team was so dominant that year that anybody with somewhat of a, a coaching record could have took them to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. They were just it was just so dominant yeah, the between wealth of talent 91. that he amassed yeah. on that team right. was insane. Right. All right, Johnny, moving to you. Okay. Third um, best. This was a tough <coughs> tough tough tough. Has um, to be for you. Well, I thought about the one the one the Patriots lost in 96 to the Green Bay Packers because that's the, the Super Bowl that gave me hope that there could be good football in New England when they went with Parcells and then Parcells left. I thought about using that one, but you know it was a loss. So um, the, my number three is going to be Super Bowl 51 against the Atlanta Falcons. They were down 28 to three um, with just a couple minutes left in the third quarter, and they came back and won 34 to 28 in overtime. 
Um, for that to be number three on my list, even that says something. Um, so uh, Tom Brady was the MVP. James White scored 20 points. Um, he got the MVP tr- truck from Brady. Uh, but that was Tom Brady's number five Super Bowl ring for the Patriots. Um, just an incredible game to watch. I think I watched it with you. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, you and, yeah. and, and, and I, I was ready to kick you guys out at halftime. I was wanting to go to bed. Oh yeah, remember I was I was and Christina was like, no, that'd be rude to kick them out. And then I talked to you off the ledge. I said, remember, remember Red Sox versus Yankees. Like, there's always time to come back. I didn't believe it though. Twenty eight to three seemed so, so far away. You guys went outside. You went to the smoke. You went downstairs. We had a counter plan of like how to deal with you coming <laughs> back up. <laughs> Nessa's like went down and like Christine and I were like sitting up there just like so here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> we're just gonna try to talk to him, take his you know, instead of diversion. Yeah, so Patriots, uh, Super Bowl fifty one. Fifty one. Yeah. Falcons Patriots thirty four, Falcons twenty eight. Can't find the whole story of my life. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a common problem, huh? The third time for the show. I picked the same game for my second because it was the coolest, like, 25-point deficit return for touchdown to victory for the New England Patriots. So, cool. Okay? That was the number two. <laughs> okay. Solid choice. <coughs> so, my, uh, my number oh, two... I'm lightheaded. <laughs> my number two Super Bowl uh, was Super Bowl XL in 2006. Steelers versus Seahawks. Uh, Steelers win 21-10. to Matt Hasselbeck? Uh, no, yeah. it was the Kurt uh, Warner. I thought. Oh no, no, sorry, Kurt Warner came come back to uh, the Cardinals. Anyways, um, I don't know, but it was a slow start. <laughs> yeah, it's Hasselbeck. It's Hasselbeck, and Sean Alexander. Yeah, slow start. Fucking loved him. Uh, seven to three going into the half, um, and then you know there's that big uh, Willie Parker. 75-yard touchdown run, yes. which at the time was the longest run in Super Bowl history uh, early in the third quarter. Then uh, Seattle uh, gets a huge pick six, 76 yards. And then the Steelers respond, clinching the game uh, with the um, touchdown pass to Heinz Ward from Antoine Randall L. And that was the first time in Super Bowl history that a touchdown pass had been uh, thrown from a receiver. Um, so that was pretty cool. Hines winds up with the MVP. Five catches, 123 yards, uh, one touchdown. And it's, fun fact, John, catalog this one. as uh, the first Super Bowl where all aspects of the broadcast were aired in high definition. Oh. All right. Number two for you? Uh, I am going Super Bowl 49. That was the Patriots beating the Seahawks 28-24. to Patriots were down 10 points in the fourth quarter, and Brady was just masterful in the fourth quarter of that game. And the Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl since 2004. They had lost in 2007 and 2011. And their Patriots have always had always been good and relevant, of course, and always gotten pretty far, but they hadn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. So for them, it was kind of you know, reassert their dominance at the highest level, and especially for Brady to get Super Bowl number four, it had taken him so long to get there, and to go against the Seahawks team, who had won the Super Bowl the year before in such dominating fashion against the Broncos, 
and that they were the Legion of Doom, and they had a young Russell Wilson, and of course we remember the Malcolm Butler interception at the end of the game, and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, and not running Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line. Thank you very much. Gotten them and, all yeah, the rookie, way there. Rookie Malcolm Butler. Butler saves the day, and uh, Brady gets the uh, his fourth Super Bowl ring for the Patriots. So twenty eight twenty four Super Bowl forty nine Patriots. Crazy. All right, Marty, you want to finish this off here? Number one. Let's. Well, I, I, I would preface this too, like I was talking about earlier. For the three of us, like we're talking about. Um, Dallas Cowboys are eight-time Super Bowl appearances, tied with Denver, tied with Pittsburgh, behind Patriots who are 10, 10 appearances going into 11, 11 now. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys have won five. Patriots have won five. Pittsburgh have six. So this is kind of big for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patriots win. They're tying your franchise for the most wins. Tom Brady himself is tying our franchise. Yeah, pretty much. So that's huge. So <coughs> I'm, I'm going back uh, to Cowboys-Bills 1992. Um, I'm not sucking helium for this because I need a little bit of homage for these <laughs> these guys. <laughs> All right, we can save it for your farewell. That's my fair. That's fine. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, just talking junior high school. Like this was the one of these most dominating teams I've seen in a long time since the '85 Bears. I was talking about youngest team in the NFL, number one defense, number five offense. The crazy thing about this year going into that ch- championship. On that defense, the number one defense in the league, there was not one defensive player voted to the Pro Bowl off the Cowboys, off that team. You're talking about Darren Woodson. You're talking about Charles Haley, um, James Washington, Ken Norton Sr. Like, none of those guys, they had a chip on their shoulder. They went into this game. Uh, Record setting for the Bills, nine turnovers in that Super Bowl. They had nine turnovers? Four interceptions. Holy Five fumbles. Thurman Thomas got hurt that game. Jim Kelly got knocked out of the game. All right, replaced by Frank Wright. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Troy Aikman, MVP, 22 for 30, 273 yards, uh, 140.6 passer rating in that that Super Bowl. Michael Irvin had a game. Uh, The crazy thing for me, just from the entertainment value, Garth Brooks on the national anthem as a Texan. You're like, okay, winning. Coin toss is O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Wow. Put that in perspective. And uh, three years later, he's going down in a white Bronco, being chased by the cops for murder. Uh, and the halftime show was Michael Jackson, which started the whole trend of top acts to be played in the Super Bowl. They were just using like concepts and funny things uh, for the halftime shows before that. Um, anything else to note from that? Yeah. Uh, that defense held opponents to uh, 4,000 uh, less uh, points that year. Jim Jeffcoat. Yep. That was one of the best defenses beside the 84 Bears, 85 Bears, and the 91 Eagles. So that was just an amazing Super Bowl. I mean, it was dominated. It was, it was over with early. Um, but just to see that team that year to go on and do what they did under Jimmy Johnson, I think that was his fourth year in the league at that point, uh, was, was amazing <coughs> to watch. It will forever be in my mind. I know exactly where I was selling Ray that game. can name all 17 like kids in the room with me. It was awesome. Awesome. John, I'll give you uh, two guesses what my number one Super Bowl ever was. Get it wrong. I have a little healing left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The James Harrison Super Bowl. I think it's 
amazing that uh, that's how you identify it. But yes. Well, he had the, the interception right before halftime. Exactly. Like yeah. Nine Sup- yards or whatever. A hundred. Super Bowl yards. forty-three. Yeah, seventeen to seven at the half. Uh, after <clears throat> James James Harrison's hundred-yard uh, pick six, which if you've ever seen James Harrison run, like it's amazing that he actually made it all the way down there. <laughs> he was moving. <laughs> And the, the best thing is he gets in there and he immediately just dies yeah. in the end zone. <laughs> they basically have to carry him out. Cardinals were that alive like a Bobby... for a lot of that game. Yeah, so... so um... I think that sounded like a Bobby Boucher run. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down the goal line. <laughs> At the start of fourth quarter, Arizona uh, was trailing 20-7. to And they scored uh, 16 unanswered points. Larry Fitz was unstoppable, unstoppable. that whole yeah. season. I remember that now. A couple of toe line catches on the sideline, just amazing. That was a great. Not Super to Bowl. mention, not to mention a safety. That then the the ensuing you know uh, free kick that comes after the safety led to a sixty four yard touchdown by Larry Fitzgerald with two thirty seven remaining. Right. So this is like, I think this is like one of those defining moments where this is this series the following series has dictated Steeler game planning for the for the following what nine years nine seasons since then where it seems like every game it comes down to that you know Ben marching down the field you know to win it to win it in the end uh, so t- two minutes 37 seconds uh, remaining. Like they a march. drunk girl going to the bathroom. He's going to win that over. So, <laughs> Sorry, God. I couldn't resist. <laughs> 78 yards. To, um, hit Santonio Holmes. Six-yard pass in the corner of the end zone. I, the most electric moment of, of, Double toe tap. of my sports life. Right. It was just unbelievable. Just the whole thing. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. And if I almost picked that one. If we, if in my lifetime we don't win another Super Bowl, I'll die a happy fan for God, having. I hope it doesn't happen. No, me either. But for have, but but seriously, I mean, you look at how many franchises uh, go through long droughts. I mean, the Cubs. What 108 years was it? Something yeah. crazy like that. Sounds right. People go their entire lifetimes without being able to celebrate a championship. And in 2009, at, at the, well, I was just about to turn 21, but I was hammered. Uh, <laughs> Incriminating evidence there. Yeah, I think the statute of limitations has passed. Pretty true, yeah. Oh, uh, fuck. Yeah, no, I, it was just the greatest single moment. And not only was Santonio Holmes great on that catch, but he was instrumental in that drive. He had four catches for seventy-three yards, uh, all but five yards on that on that drive were on his back. He won the MVP, and he was the sixth wide receiver to win an MVP. Half of those Steelers, being um, Holmes, Ward, and Lintuan. Thank you, Johnny. The immaculate reception. That was Franco. Franco. Shit. Lin <laughs> Swan dropped the ball though, so. Uh, my numero uno goes way back to 2001 and Super Bowl 36. Patriots defeat the St. Louis Rams 20 to 17 on the 
foot of Adam Vinatieri's 48-yard field goal kick to win the game. Patriots were 14-point underdogs. This was Super Bowl number one for the Patriots, Super Bowl number one for the Tom Brady. And I quit my job the next day because I was up all night partying, won thousands of dollars on that game betting on the Patriots. Do you apologize to your current employer at that time? <laughs> Sorry, Putnam Investments. <laughs> Thank you for the severance. <laughs> still got severance. You still got severance? Still got severance. Nice. Yep, but yeah, I remember just partying all night, like, because you thought maybe the Patriots could cover, because they had shown a lot of resiliency that year, you know, they went into Pittsburgh and beat them in the championship game, and, but 14-point underdogs are the greatest show on turf, the Rams were unstoppable, it didn't seem like they had a chance to win, but when Ty Law first picked off that Kurt Warner pass and ran it back, it was like, they had some momentum. Ty Law's from Aliquippa. Ty Law needs to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame come Saturday. Just down the uh, street. So, yeah, the Super Bowl 36, the Patriots' first Super Bowl against the Rams, 20-17. to 17. That's my number one. All right. Um, so that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to have a special Super Bowl uh, <coughs> episode coming at you uh, next week. Hopefully uh, my cough will be gone. Again, apology, apologies for having to uh, to deal with that. Uh, we give you a lot of shit, but Johnny, we wish you the best of luck. This go Pats Rats. Let's go Pats Rats. Let's make it an easy Super Bowl this year, please. <laughs> these games have taken years off of my life. All these Patriots Super Bowls have taken so much time off the back end of my life. Poor There's fucking Lou. <laughs> Poor fucking Lou. <laughs> There's got to be a lot of red ink in the ledger, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Marty? Little side note, so we're not one-sided. Mariano Rivera, unanimous decision for Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Oh yeah, yeah. What a ama- he's an amazing athlete. Oh, oh, Red Sox gosh. owned his ass. Why you gotta throw that in? Can we just leave? Did. Can we just leave it like? Because they did. All right, but cool. One of the one of the best class acts in my time in baseball. First ever. Um, I cried when he walked off the mound and hugged Jeter. I'm sorry. I know. I'm not even a, a Yankees. I hate the Yankees, but I, I can't. It's, it's Bernie Williams, Bernie Williams, Mariano Rivera. There's certain players that play for the Yankees that I I hold true that they're just a great great fucking athlete. First in, ever unanimously elected yeah. uh, Hall Wild. of Famer. Wild. So. So. Hey, go Pats though. I hope they win. I hope it's I hope it's I hope it's entertaining. I know it's gonna kill your heart. Fenway Park cheered Mariano Rivera the year after they got to him. Yeah. And then opening day the next year, and they played the Yankees and Mariano Rivera, and they cheered him because they're like, "We got you. We got you." <laughs> glo- he's in gloat. He's in gloat mode, and he needs to be in this position going into this week. I get it. I'm so. ready. All right. All right. Put your everybody. balls back in your pants and go, go Pats. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. <laughs> it's okay.